1: Hello and welcome to podcast like it's eighty nine. That's right. We're doing a whole new thing here on the podcast because we've run low on good movies in nineteen ninety nine. Just kidding. What we're doing is we are doing a mini series opening up right now on uh, on the movies of nineteen eighty nine. Um, Phil, uh, why would you say we went ahead and did this? Well, we we decided that um, it was time
3: for us to do a Patreon. It was time for us to do something that would be extra special for our listeners that have been, you know, diehard sticking with us for it's been three years, which is crazy Mm -hmm. to say, but we've been doing this for three years and. You know, I think we also wanted to dip our toe uh, into some other years and be able to kind of explore other big years, and there have been lots of them. Um, And we decided we're going to start with 1989. We're going to do sort of the top 30 or so movies that came out in 89. Uh, We're starting today uh, with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which felt appropriate for Christmas. And this is sort Mm -hmm. of an opportunity for people to hear us talk about a different Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, But uh, starting in January, we will launch this Patreon, and there'll be probably two episodes per month, maybe three, depending on how we're we're able to do it. Two or three every month. And uh, we're going to start in January with uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with Brian Cogman. And then uh, we've got a whole host of other movies. Everyone's, uh, you know, War of the Roses, Dead Poet Society, When Harry Met Sally, Batman, Say Anything, Little Mermaid, Do the Right Thing, Field of Dreams. It's a hell of a year stacked with great movies and uh we just want to you know give back to our to our fans with uh with some really big fun exciting movies from our youth
1: i think what's really kind of fun interesting and exciting is you know 99 was obviously such a fulcrum point in culture and in movie making but uh 89 was was just as big as a sea of a sea change in a different kind of direction um it was like, a big I,
3: sequel year. You know what I mean? You had Lethal Weapon 2, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future 2, Ghostbusters 2. Like it was the mm-hmm. first sequel year in a lot of Yeah, it,
1: before we got to kind of the sequelization of yeah. Hollywood that we're living in now. But this is when, you know, a lot of big budget, populist, popcorn fare came out. And uh, I think Phil and I are really excited to kind of go back and reevaluate movies that I think we loved in our youth. Um, or are widely loved by people around our age and see how they hold up um, because the kind of movie making that that was successful in 89 is not really successful today whereas the kind of filmmaking that was successful in 99 is often still successful so it will be really kind of fun and interesting to see what happened then kind of at the turn of the new decade um, yeah and I just I also, can't wait. I think it's
3: awesome. I'm super, super excited. I think it's also interesting to see how, you know, we've talked about this on, on our podcast about 99 a lot in terms of the the careers that were kind of birthed in 99. And in 89, not as many. Um, it was still a little bit more of, you know what I mean? There, there's a lot of great films, a lot of great filmmakers, but it's just it's just different. It wasn't the same sort of... Seismic sea change of of tone and filmmakers and and that type of stuff. So more than anything, it's an opportunity for us to 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 take another year and place it next to ninety nine and be able to sort of see the differences. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: I think what you'll notice in 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 contrast to ninety nine is these were all movies that were not all. These were almost all movies that began at the studio level. Um they did not begin with a writer or a director. They did not begin with indie financing. They did not begin at Indie Film Festival. There are maybe three or four films uh, that we'll do that are early examples of really successful indie movies um, or foreign films. But for the most part, you're talking about movies that started at Disney, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal. They were planned to be big hits and they were huge hits. Um, And they played on HBO and the Disney Channel and network television for the rest of our lives.
3: Yeah, it's like I'm I'm looking at the at the list and I look at a movie like say anything for instance, which that's that's an indie film today. But oh, yeah. but you know, back in 89, it's it's a James L Brooks Fox movie directed by up-and-comer, you know, Cameron Crowe. But it's just it's it is really interesting to see to your point what how these movies would get made today if these movies would get made today. So um, I'm excited to, to to do it, and I'm excited. We are talking about a movie that I have never seen, but it feels like every other person on the planet has. Uh, mm-hmm. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation um, with past and future guest Ashley Lyle. Um, I am really excited to talk about this movie with you guys because I sort of feel like I don't totally get it, but um, I'm excited to talk about it because I feel like you guys will illuminate for me Perhaps what it is about this movie that speaks to people so so broadly. Um, When did did you see this movie? (laughs) Ashley, when did you see this movie?
4: I I don't recall. And just to be upfront, I feel like if you're looking for explanations, you may be disappointed. I think in my notes I wrote, why am I laughing at this? Like five separate times, but I was laughing. So that's something.
3: Just to be clear, I was laughing too. And I'm not, I don't don't want to seem like a hater because I I certainly didn't hate the movie by any means. I think I just, this to me, and I'm curious as to both of your thoughts on this, where there are films that you see at a certain age that you feel imprinted by. Right where where it it sort of hits you and and this film from what I've gleaned from other people that yelled at me on various forms of social media yesterday, um, that this is a perennial family movie like this is the movie you sit down with your family and watch uh, or watched uh, as a kid and it and it has this you know familial quality to it that makes it sort of transcend outside its perhaps silly boundaries um i don't know is that is that a is that a fair Um, assessment
4: I, i think that's fair i think also contextually it's maybe important to remember that um a lot of comedies in the 80s were garbage so i think that maybe we're looking at it through a um a different lens but yeah i i think that I think there are a couple of things. I think it's it's just one of those Christmas movies and Christmas movies, whether they're good or not, you sort of just end up having this profound nostalgia for them. If they were around when you were a kid. And then I think, I think the vacation movies even beyond that, I think that for certain people, there's this really sort of relatable universal, like Clark Griswold is at least I, for me personally, is so my dad in so many ways. And I, I really kind of, and what's strange is he's the one I think he related because he had us watching Vacation and Christmas Vacation at a really early age. He was like, you got to check out this Chevy Chase guy. He's so cool. Dads are cool. And I was like, all right, great. Let's do this. So I think that that's part of it I also have to admit up front if we're gonna be completely transparent that I am genuinely a fan of the vacation movies and actually own Vegas vacation on DVD wow. so I'm that I'm the one person um
1: no you're not no you're not <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I will not I will not accept Vegas vacation slander <laughs> on this podcast oh
4: Wow. I love Vegas yes, vacations. To excellent. be clear, it is my favorite of the vacation movies. Wow. I can see Nick Papa Giorgio all day. Nick long.
1: Papa Giorgio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay, so I, I just all I right, want to wait. Say, hold on. I, I, let, let, yeah, let me wait. I need to jump real. in on the dad yeah. thing, right? Because like this is similar well, for you too, right,
1: thing. Kenny? Okay. So all right, we have done 150 movies in 1999. We have not done one single movie that I am irrational, irrationally a fan of. Um. <laughs> I am not irrationally a fan. Like the movie that the movie that I thought I might still be irrationally a fan of uh-huh. was uh, were a couple of the first the movies or were a couple of the first ones. I thought I might be irrationally still a fan of um American Pie. I am not, it is very bad. I thought I <laughs> might irrationally still have uh strong feelings for American beauty, I am not, it is very bad. Um, I look down at this list and I see so many movies that I feel like we have, we occasionally have not occasionally I fairly regularly have people younger than us on this podcast, like five to fifteen years younger than us, who defend movies that are indefensible. But we, you know, we we didn't watch them when we were, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. ad nauseum, and it didn't feel like our first glimpse into, you know, this is a sexy movie. This is a this is a high school movie. This is a thing that like this is a room that we weren't allowed into. This is so exciting. So preface all that by saying that is this movie for me having watched it last night or two nights ago. Um, obviously. And I don't mean any offense to a movie that is as important to me as any other movie. And I'll get that. I'll get to that in one second. Obviously this is not a great movie. Obviously. Okay. This is my experience with the, with, with the Griswold okay, okay, family. Okay, okay. I, my dad, much like Ashley's dad, Was obsessed with Clark W. Griswold. To the point, like we watched, (laughs) we watched Vacation when we were little kids. We watched Europe. So, Vacation has like a scene very early on that's very troubling where like they get their hubcaps stolen. It's very racist and very uncomfortable. European Vacation has nudity, straight up nudity. All right, just a girl whipping them out. Okay, watched them with my family. Early on, before this movie came out, when I was seven. This movie came same, out when I same. was seven. Same. I went on vacation with my family, and this is not a joke. My dad did not refer to us as the Nibarts. He referred to us as the Griswolds. <laughs> he would have us introduce us to people, ourselves to people. My name, I have two middle names because I'm very fancy. Kenneth Walter Charles Nibart Griswold, comma, sir. Oh my God. Lexi, my sister, Alexa, Jill, Nybark, Griswold, comma, sir. That's how we would would introduce ourselves to people because we were the Griswold family. My dad is so much like Clark. My dad is six foot, six foot four. My dad has that, you know, that like 80 swag thing going on. Like he hasn't gotten rid of it, but he can still pull off like that hat, which I actually own two of that exact bears hat. <laughs> I am um, not kidding. I should have worn it for this podcast. If it wasn't in storage, but uh, I, I, uh, so so we we are we are deeply deeply ingrained with the Griswold family. Like if you're ever on a roundabout, Ashley, um, mm-hmm. have you ever been on a roundabout? Every time I'm on a roundabout, my dad goes Big Ben Parliament. That's a joke from from European vacation, where they're on a roundabout in London, and they can't get out of it. And every time they pass Big Ben and Parliament, they go, Big Ben kids, Parliament, Big Ben kids, Parliament. Kenny, trust me. And we
4: have so many – we call them – in Jersey, where I grew up, we we call them traffic circles, not roundabouts. Um, But every time we went through a circle, Big Ben – (laughs) <laughs>
1: Big Ben, Parliament.
4: <laughs> yeah, okay. my, It's my one dad of those also, things. My dad dressed like Clark W. Oh, Griswold. God. You know, he was a fan of sort of the the polo khaki short.
1: Polo khaki short look.
4: Polo khaki short look. Same uh, hair? Did same hair. He And my dad uh, went sort of uh, prematurely gray. He was uh, gray by the time he was in his late 30s. So... Mm-hmm. He, he looked kind of Clark-esque. He had that vibe. He enjoyed it. He's, you know, he loved Miami Vice.
1: Oh, your dad sounds great. Get him on the my pod. Dad,
4: my dad is great. He loved dad Clark is Griswold.
1: Yeah. Both and, your dads uh, are great, uh, by the way.
4: Yeah. He would, and yeah. he would pull like, these very Clark Griswold moves. Like, I remember being a kid, and we would go to barbecues, and he had bought this uh, hat, like a baseball cap, that had a ponytail attached to it as mm-hmm. a joke and he thought that this was very funny my mom was less enthused
1: oh <laughs> like, god i love this
4: things like that where i'm like that's a clark thing to do you know just, <clears throat> so yeah
3: so G- i just yeah go ahead go, go, ahead. go ahead go ahead i was just gonna go say right. I, i'm beginning to to glean why perhaps this was not in my purview as a child, which is that <laughs> my dad is not like Clark. <laughs> <personal>. <laughs> um, I say that with love, but he is just not that guy. Um, and 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 this is a very sort of and I don't say this in a, in any sort of derision, but like it's this is very American. Oh, I think so too. Okay, yeah. So like, there's an American component, and there's my dad, and neither of those things really gel with this franchise um i also realized as i was watching this movie yesterday that i've never seen a chevy chase movie <laughs> so there's
1: that all right i don't want i want to i want i want to table that for a second because that's okay. insane but i want to okay. i want to touch on the american thing first because i think okay. you're right okay. i think what they've i didn't watch the last vacation with that helms it's not particularly interesting to me um the the four vacations i heard it was good I don't care what It
4: is not f- canon and that's all
1: that matters. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, the four vacations are so emblematic of four American vacations that you don't really get anywhere else. The Amer- the road trip across America, the ugly Americans in Europe, <laughs> the Christmas vacation at home. Like don't under don't underestimate that this movie is called Christmas vacation they don't leave the house and no one ever questions that like this is a vacation we yeah. get we've all had it and then the Vegas vacation which uh-huh. is you know which is necessary to round this this triumvirate of american vacations out these are like the four <laughs> basic yeah. american vacation american. food groups
4: we the, did all of them as As kids, we did.
1: As did we, as did we. And like, and and was it, I mean, it wasn't as, you know, they, they did a better European vacation than we did because I just went to London. They went to Germany and all that. But, um, so, so that, that in and of itself is something that like might be hard to relate to if you like didn't grow up in America where like driving across country was a thing where the road trip was a thing. Um, so that's that's the the kind of first element of that that you know is kind of interesting to me. Um, now, can I just ask a question?
3: Uh, yeah. uh, in regards to this, it, more specifically to the road trips uh, or the 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 more uh, American trips. Like, is it because it's che- not cheaper and it's like a bonding experience and it's like you, you take your family on these
1: sort of road trip situations?
3: Is that in the, the movie? The, the plan? It is
1: explicitly because it's cheaper. Okay. Um like it is, you know, they she wants to fly and he's like we're going to drive, we're going to see America, but that's like, right. you know, that's the classic cheap ass dad move. Like <laughs> the thing about America, and I mean no, you know, this has nothing to do with any other country is Yeah. Yeah, you can you can curate a vacation across the country that feels important, that feels culturally relevant. You can't really do that across most countries, certainly not one that lasts a week or, you know, a week and a half. Um, like they do in that movie, so yes, that that is a, a okay. cheap ass move. That American Dad's pull, <laughs> okay. and the cheapest of the cheap ass move is we're going to do Christmas vacation at home, and we're going to invite everyone to our house. And that, to me, is like all right. So, so the that uh, that was going to be my second point. It was it was honing in on this idea because again, John Hughes wrote these movies. Mm-hmm. John Hughes' career started by writing a short called Vacation '58 for the National Lampoon. It was the first movie he ever wrote that, that became a, a feature film. He wrote the screenplay based off his own short story. This was based on a short story called Christmas 59, not explicitly mm-hmm. a vacation movie. It was just a way into a vacation movie that they found that John Hughes, again, adapted off his own thing. But the fact that everybody involved recognized that these are two of the same you know, kind of species mm-hmm. is something that any American realizes once you say it but isn't necessarily obvious before. So I think that that's really kind of cool that you kind of do feel like you grow up with the Griswolds. You live this childhood with the Griswolds. It doesn't matter that, you know, Audrey and Russ are played by three different characters over the course of the, of these series. Yeah, I was going to say,
3: does that, is that, so ultimately no, it's, it's no one cares. It's just, it's yes, charming. charming. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And particularly because they like, you know, they, they were real actors, Anthony Michael Hall, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh juliette lewis johnny galecki uh nick yeah. papa georgio was um
4: ethan was
1: ethan embry and mm-hmm. one who played audrey is uh she was in scream too and she was an actor i actor i always thought was going to be more but i forgot what her name is yeah, I, I mean
3: Juliet lewis She's and and and
2: recently
1: and
3: she does and probably, are great in this i mean they're both fantastic. they're both really great
1: yeah but yes um, so that might be okay. part of why it didn't penetrate your sphere the way it penetrated our sphere. but i also
3: i I will just say this because i was texting with some friends back home about this and uh one of my friends was like this was on constantly for him now he also had family from rochester so perhaps there's some sort of a component there i'm not sure, sure but he watched it a lot like it's not to say that this movie didn't make it to canada but it's this is a right of an American rite of passage for families. That is, is not the case in Canada is. And I think it's. Sort of a-
1: Ash, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Did you have the sense growing up that Christmas vacation or the vacation movies were just yours and not anybody else's?
4: <laughs> I, I did a little bit. I felt like there were a couple of this and um, what's the, you're going to shoot your eye out A Christmas story.
1: Christmas story. Yeah.
4: The, those were two that, yeah, they, they felt like they were our family's movies.
1: And like, and you, that, were, I mean, at least I was. So, so that's funny because Christmas Story always felt to me like it was someone else's. Like it was everybody else's because it, it was not mine until I didn't even watch until I was in my teens. But uh, see. When I, I watched when, that pretty young. I think even, a lot of people did. Yeah. But when I found out that basically every person except for Phil – considers this movie to be their movie that was kind of a shock to me
4: that's interesting yeah you know I I I don't feel like we watched it every year it wasn't it wasn't in that sort of pantheon of the things that were just on TV constantly like I remember the the claymation Rudolph being on all the time mm-hmm. like that was always on this this felt like something that we would more actively rent to watch, you know, it'd be like, ah, oh, you know, go to Belmar video, or I think we had two video rental places in town. And, um, and this would be, you know, a popular pick, but I don't remember it being like, oh, this is just on TV constantly. So yeah, it did feel like it was a more kind of like private.
1: It was a choice. Private pleasure. I feel the same way. Like it was a choice. Yeah. I also I also want to say, like... some, I also want to say something else. Uh, again, I was seven years old. I saw this in the theaters. So I saw, I saw so many of these movies in the theaters. This was the—I swear to God—before 1989. I think I've seen maybe 20 movies ever. I've seen every movie that came out in 1999, <laughs> and I saw them all in the theaters. So this was the year that my parents decided we can shut them up by taking into the movies. And they would make let me see anything like truly like Yeah, and expose you movie. to things you
3: you yeah. should not be exposed to at that age.
1: Well, whatever, I'm fine. I'm hanging in there. So <laughs> you're,
3: you're good. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. You know. <clears> I know, I'm a father uh, who so, his eight year old diehard. So so um, I just want to rewind a little bit to the Chevy Chase thing um, because this also kind of speaks to I think my parents and and when you're a kid, you're exposed to things that your parents like generally. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I just don't think that 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 kind of humor or the, the the type of humor in this movie or Chevy Chase in general, I guess, spoke to my parents as much. So I really didn't see any of his movies. I've never seen Caddyshack. I've never seen Fletch. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I it's not it wasn't i con- I've never seen Three Amigos. I don't know. It's not like a conscious effort. It's just he kind of got by me. Um, but then I've read stuff about him and now I just don't want to watch.
4: Well, yeah, it turns out Chevy Chase maybe not um a model citizen. But <laughs> no. I yeah, back in the day he I, I think that's part of it too, is you know, my my dad's love for Chevy Chase transcended Clark Griswold. I mean, right, we right. had spies like us, three amigos and um Fletch in particular in heavy rotation movies I probably should not have been watching at six years old, but was, <laughs> but you know, my dad always, I don't know if you guys had, uh, or Kenny, cause, cause, um, Phil, you were up in Canada, but we had WPIX, which was the, yeah, like, I had the same thing. Yeah. afternoon movies and we would watch them all. Or, you know, my dad liked to have a movie buddy. He'd bake some microwave popcorn. Weirdly, his whole thing was, a uh, this is very specific, but cracker barrel cheddar cheese. He'd cut up chunks of cheddar cheese would eat cheese and popcorn—that was a you thing. Had a
3: great child. That sounds great. That sounds I, awesome.
4: And I didn't realize that didn't everyone like didn't do that. Like I thought that just chunks of Cracker Barrel cheese and popcorn was how you spent your Sunday, <laughs> and watching things like you know Spies Like Us or Die Hard. I, I saw Die Hard very early, my, and then my mom would always. We would joke. My you know my dad and I would joke because my my brother is a little bit younger, so he he was a little too young for it. I think even my dad realized that. But my mom would always walk in in what was always either the most violent scene or something with <laughs> Oh, I know. Go, every time. It's just like she had this antenna. She would just open the door and she'd give us a look and he'd, she'd be like, well, you've got good timing. And I was just like, oh, I'd get a little, you know, I didn't love watching. it was I'd get a little like, oh, this seems weird and a little too grown up for me. But I loved the movies. Like I fucking loved Die hard, and I loved Fletch for whatever reason that that would appeal to a six-year-old girl Oh, oh. Or, I'm, I'm about to go
1: on a little I, bit of a Fletch rant oh. you know so, we um
4: we pitched we and then I think we we got a job and so we we had kind of we we basically pitched Fletch but a girl and I still stand by that as an interesting it would idea. work <clears throat> yeah
1: Fletch uh, How do you feel so, about
3: John Ham being Fletch in this new Fletch that they're doing?
1: I don't know. Honestly, wow, silence. Just crickets.
4: I just I feel like that's just Fletch again. <laughs> I, I feel like you got to do something new. Like we, I want to see Emma Stone be Fletch. I don't want to see John Ham
0: be. she'd be a good
1: Fletch. But I think um, I think all. So I I think if you've listened to me over you know the last three years. I don't have that like uh, – I, I didn't have that childhood thing where I was put in front of Star Wars or I was put in front of James Bond or I was put in front of even Ghostbusters. Like any – of even Back to the Future, any of these big movies that, that kind of shaped a lot of our peers and colleagues and friends' childhoods were not for me until I got older like I did not watch Bash to the Future until I was in my 20s. I did not watch Ghostbusters until I was in my late uh late teens. I watched Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. This I mean because <laughs> it came out in 89, but I did not I I did not watch any of these movies. So that that wasn't where my like heart lied. So Short way of saying the hysteria about Ghostbusters, the, the hysteria about the Ghostbuster reboot, or the hysteria about the prequels or the sequels from Star Wars, <laughs> never made a lot of sense to me. Not from a like, give it a chance, or why do you care? From like, a, I don't even understand how you can get excited. Like I don't even get, I don't even get what's going on. If you fucking remake Fletch with John Hamm, <laughs> I will burn <laughs> the place down. I can't leave I'm- Fletch alone.
4: I am with you. I am still sort of now I'm just being stubborn, but notoriously, I have not seen a Star Wars movie from start to finish, except for um, the first of the prequels or whatever, which I saw in the theater when I was in high school. And I was like, this is terrible. Why do people care about this? This is your shit, huh? And I just now I'm like, "Eh." like, I just I can't get that excited about it. And so I don't. Really see I, them, but yeah, I I feel know, like I had I'm a fuck with Fletch, and I'm gonna have some thoughts. And Fletch is yeah
1: bad, to I'm be gonna...
4: clear, not great. But oh, all right, so I disagree with you. But <laughs> so I
1: think, I, mean, I think it's I like I
4: still it... I still love it, but I I a it's a little problematic in some fairly significant ways. Yes, as it... is there are a lot of films from the Chevy movies.
1: movies. Yes, and
4: Chevy movies in specific. Um, but, and it's one of those things where I can't even tell, I, I have lost all objectivity. Like, I can't tell if Christmas Vacation right. is a good movie. Like, you're like, oh, this is definitely not a good movie. And I'm like, isn't it? I mean, there are things that I recognize as being a little corny or a little too broad. But I, I feel like if you put it up and look at it in its totality, I feel like it's a good movie.
1: I, I to be clear, I think I said it's not a great movie. Because yeah. I don't think it's a great yeah. movie. I think it's a good movie. I think Phil probably thought it was a good. I movie. think it's a good movie. I, I do think I, it's a good movie. Oh, I do. I, 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 uh,
3: yeah.
1: Okay. I, I want to say one one thing off off what Ashley was saying about uh, Fletch. What were you What were you saying right before Fletch? Oh, Star Wars. Oh, it
0: was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was about oh. So yes, the way I the way I, I look at it, and I think I've said this before. I mm. had. I had a very so my group – and part of this going back to like why this was like this was because you know for better or worse even though I wasn't a great athlete I was a sports kid so I saw every sports movie from sure. the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s and that's kind of where like I like lived mm-hmm. um, and I was always you know I went to college in high school and college all my friends were just big sports people and I you know I really feel very comfortable like speaking the language of sports. One of our good friends in the group uh, was not a big sports person and really wanted to become a big sports person. And by the end of our sophomore year, he was able to have conversations with us about basketball and about football. But there were always little nuances that he didn't quite grasp onto. And there was, you know, another character of this was Josh Molina in Sports Night. Josh Molina in Sports Night knew like everything out of the almanac but could not tell you what play to call on third and long because he didn't watch. Okay. That's the way I feel with Star Wars. And that's the way I feel with a lot of these things because I know a ton about Star Wars, but it doesn't, because I've watched them all a lot and I care about them, but it is not like a part of my bones, like, say, like it is for Eric Carrasco, or I think even you, Phil. So I it's think true. that's the interesting thing here with this movie for me and Chevy Chase movies in particular Chevy Chase, Kevin Costner, the two that are like part of my bones. That I, like Ashley, have lost all objectivity about. I think almost every movie these guys are in up to a point, because they both kind of fell off a cliff in the early 90s, are just masterworks. Because they are <laughs> masterful.
2: Chevy sure, Chase is
1: – and and Phil, I implore you to watch Fletch. I think Fletch is as perfect as an 80s movie as, as you get. It's like Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch here's, here's just what I- nailed it so hard.
3: I I will say this, as, 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 a, as obviously a, a virgin to to all of this, this movie, I liked it. I liked it enough that I will certainly watch the previous two vacation movies because, you know, context, and I'm curious, and people really love them. And I will watch Fletch. But I don't really have any interest in Caddyshack. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I need three amigos in my life, but maybe, I guess I do. I don't know.
4: Caddyshack, you can skip. I'm going to just say it. Skip it. I've never liked it. I don't understand why people think it's so
1: funny. But I will say you should check out Vegas Vacation. There's no way in the world you will find Caddyshack funny in 2020 having never seen it. You will, I think, find Rodney Dangerfield funny in that movie. He holds up. (laughs) But everything (laughs) else. And Ted Knight. It's not bad. Like, it's really good. And Chevy. And, like, it's not bad but, like, I, I do feel like you feel, Ashley, which is like a certain, you know, type of white suburban golf playing dad was like, yeah. this yeah. speaks to me, you know? <laughs> sure. This is, like, my yeah. thing. And and, and is- those people happen to be a lot of people who, you know, went into the industry and certainly went into the sports industry and, like, pushed it out through that way. A lot of people were in business. It, it, it seems to be a very big movie among people who uh, – are like rank and file movie people.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. I I have I have some
3: significant blind spots in my eighties comedy sort of genre. You know, I haven't seen Trading Places. I hadn't seen Midnight Run until oh just recently. My. So
4: you haven't seen <laughs> Trading Places.
3: I've never Bill. seen Trading Places.
4: We gotta fix this.
3: I don't we disagree. I'm not. It's it's not a conscious effort. It's just I, you know.
4: I have also not seen Trading Places in a while, and now I'm realizing that I'd be deeply curious as to how that. Movie yeah, goes. I,
3: I wonder. Do you think that holds up?
4: I, it so, might. I honestly don't know.
1: So I, this is like, I, I mean, this is on some Phil stuff, but like, I thank God I remedied, remedied this about ten years ago. I hadn't seen almost any Eddie Murphy 1980s movie oh, wow. until oh, wow. about ten, but until about ten years ago. So I hadn't seen Coming to America. I hadn't seen uh, any of the Beverly Hills cops. I hadn't seen Trading Places. I hadn't seen um, 48 Hours or, or, or just any of these these things. And my wife grew up in an Eddie Murphy family and was like, <laughs> Ashley, Ashley's reaction, how could you have not seen? That was every fucking dinner I went to. And I, I, don't <laughs> if, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but this is real. The first time I met my wife's father, brother, and brother-in-law was at a dinner. They had come out here. They all live in Chicago, but they, they had come out here with Laura's sister. She comes from an enormous family, five, uh, five kids and um, a lot of brothers-in-law. And it was uh it was, you know, I've been with her since oh seven. So it was right around then. It was like oh early oh eight. And Norbert had just come out on video. <laughs> on a video on demand. Oh, what the fuck? And they are hey. Going back and forth, throwing Norbit lines at each other, <laughs> and dying. And I had never met these people, just on the floor throwing these Norbit lines. Mm. And I'm just thinking, like, this is some pretty high level fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, they 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 had they they were sitting in the car and like, how do we fuck mm. with this guy? Let's make him think we love. That's Norbit. amazing. That's not what happened. They just loved Norbit. They love Norbit. They've never seen an Eddie Murphy movie that they don't like lose their shit over. So we, I've remedied them all. I've seen them since. I don't think Trading Places holds up. I don't think it's a particularly okay. good movie, but I do think that's the kind of thing that people like will fucking. Die over that is a hill, people will die, in that that is for serious. sure, same fun. with coming to America, which
3: I also have not seen, and I need to see that if for no I've other reason it now it's, because it's, i I want to see the second one when it comes out in December, so I'd like to have some semblance of context um, but America all of this
1: is fun is- because Eddie does all the characters, the jokes are really good, and the love story is really pure and sweet, like it's actually a beautiful movie i'm 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 excited to watch that
3: uh you know i'm I'm so all of this is just to say that I know I have some blind spots that I that I want to fill in, and, and it started with this movie, and I really had some notions of what this movie was when I sat down yesterday, but I'm not sure I really totally knew what I was sitting down for. Um, I'm going to give a synopsis very quickly for, uh, I don't know, if anyone hasn't seen this movie. It seems like the world has seen this movie. (laughs) But uh, as the holidays approach, Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, wants to have a perfect family Christmas. He pester his wife, Ellen, played by Beverly D'Angelo, and children as he tries to make sure everything is in line, including the tree and house decorations. However, things go awry quickly. His hick cousin, Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, and his family show up unplanned and start living in their camper on the Griswold property. Even worse, Clark's employees uh, renege on the holiday bonus he needs. It was written by John Hughes. It was directed by Jeremiah Chechik who did Benny and June and the Avengers later in life. Not the Avengers. We all think the we know. The Uma Thurman Avengers. The Uma thurman Ray Fiennes Avengers.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation opened on December 1st, 1989, in second place behind Back to the Future Part Two. It would go on to make $71.3 million on a $25 million budget, which in 89 is probably close to $200 million. Uh It has 67% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 86% from audiences, which feels about right. Uh, That tracks that audiences would like this more than critics. Uh, I'm going to read two very quick uh, blurbs from Ebert's two star review. He says, there are long stretches in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when this almost works. The movie is curious in how close it comes to delivering on its material. Sequence after sequence seems to contain all the necessary material uh, to be well on the way toward a payoff and yet somehow it doesn't work. And yet, the parts don't totally fit. Maybe the movie's problem is that the director, a first time feature length director, who's mostly done TV commercials. The screenplay was written by John Hughes, whose planes, trains and automobiles was a masterful comedy about two travelers trying to find their way home for Thanksgiving. But with the Griswold saga, he seems to have set up sequences that Chechik isn't able to pay off. You have the odd sensation watching the film that it's straining to get off the ground, but simply doesn't have the juice. I'm not sure that I agree with that assessment entirely, but I sort of kind of know where he's coming from a little bit. Um, I think that so this movie opens uh <laughs> with an animated uh credit sequence which we just don't do anymore and I I'm a fan of an animated sequence we're gonna get two more of them in 89 Kenny with uh Honey I Shrunk the Kids and mm-hmm. um uh Troop Beverly Hills um it used to be wow, kind Phil, of a that's staple a good- oh yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> they used to be kind of an 80s staple. Am I crazy that I feel like there was there was sometimes an animated opening of some sort?
4: I it's funny because <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie so many times and I had no recollection of this animated opening me neither.
2: whatsoever.
4: The first it thing I wrote me. in my in my notes was I have seen this movie a thousand times and I have literally zero recollection of this weird animated credit sequence. Literally With- none. <laughs> Hopefully, it sets the bar low and then the movie <laughs> leaps over it. <laughs>
3: No. It's 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 Santa writing a list of people and delivering
1: packages. You know, it, there is something in there that I thought was interesting, mm-hmm. because the, the the kind of typical thing when you have Santa with his list in a in a comedy is that you know the Griswolds are on the naughty list. Uh, that seems to be where you go with a lot of this stuff. That's not who the Griswolds are. They're yeah. not a naughty. Family Clark is a little naughty, but what they really, what, what they really are, very average. And I I don't mean that in a in a derisive yeah. way. Like yeah. they're a they, yeah. they are a very average stand in American family. And I think the story of the Griswolds is just told very honestly, and that's mm-hmm. why it's so relatable. Well, um, I think that Clark
3: wants to be edgier than he is. Like, you can see him. He
1: kind of, like, walks up to as the, the d- line. As does every suburban dad I mean, in the 80s. Yeah, hundred
4: yeah. percent. That's what I think makes him so relatable, is that he is simultaneously yeah. a good dad with genuine good intentions for his family. He wants yeah. to give them good vacations. He wants to give them the perfect <laughs> Christmas. But he's also a guy who I think has that little bit of rebellion, and it's always in these movies sort of disappointingly so that they couldn't dig a little deeper. It's always manifested in the, like the sexy lady who, and you know, it's funny because you never get the sense that Clark would actually cheat on Ellen. Like they seem like they have a really good marriage. It's that he's, you know, there's a part of him that still wants to be the young guy who's cool. And there's a little bit of that push and pull. And honestly, if they had explored that in, in a, you know, deeper way in any of these movies, it could be like, the Great American Novel, but I mean they don't, so there's that. But yeah, I mean, like he's a good guy and there's a sweetness <laughs> to these movies. Like, I, and it's interesting because they get a little bit at it in Vacation, yeah. but then in Christmas Vacation, there's like a fair amount of heart to it and I think it was a, a smart move on their part and on John Hughes' part to to put that sort of beating heart of what Christmas means to him and the idea of what family really means at the center of this sort of broad comedy. And it it really, this movie is a precursor to meet the parents. It falls so squarely into that genre of well-intentioned, holy shit, everything goes wrong.
3: Well, it's also, I mean, there's, there's two movies that come to mind. Um, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I feel like the end of the film is sort of a perfect encapsulation to jump ahead, but just that the final scene of them on the front lawn looking Mm -hmm. up at like shooting stars while the crazy aunt is singing the star spangled banner (laughs) and someone's just been (laughs) blown up basically by Mm -hmm. a sewage, uh, gas, what have you. There, there is this heart underneath this, just madness and insanity that's going on around it. Um, which is, I think that's the special sauce of, of this. Um, um, but the other movie that comes to mind is a movie that uh, you can see a straight line from this to Home Alone. Like, I mean, first of all, it's a year later. Uh, it's obviously also written by John Hughes. This was supposed to be directed by Chris Columbus, but he apparently had <laughs> he had one conversation with Chevy Chase and said to John Hughes, there's no way I can do this movie. I know I need to work, but I can't work with that guy, <laughs> yeah. which is incredible. So he walks away and obviously they do Home Alone together the next year. I would argue, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think Home Alone's a better movie than this.
1: Home Alone's one of the great movies of all time. Yeah, okay.
3: I mean, I, I, Home Alone yeah, is yeah.
4: fantastic. And they're different. I, I do feel like there's a, a tonal difference that's very 100%. significant.
3: 100%. That's it's the Chris really Columbus-ness yeah. of, of Home Alone that makes that movie just... It wears its heart on its sleeve a little bit more. I'm not, I don't mean to compare them, but it's kind of hard not to. They're oh, both uh, written by John Hughes and both Christmas movies, and both right. have like a tremendous amount of physical comedy.
1: Home Alone is a masterpiece in in structuring a movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a masterpiece in in you know a movie with a, with a kid, an emotional arc. It yeah. really is the kind of thing that should be studied by people who want to write studio movies. It's like that's yeah. that's how you do it. This is not like this is not, yeah. and, and, and part of the reason is. You know, I wasn't this- knocking
3: this, by the way. I was just—I
1: no, know you're not. I know you're not. Part of the reason is like this is a threequel. This is this, 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 there right, are right. jokes here that, that, that in setups that you just won't get and can't get if you haven't seen the movie. Like, look, this movie ends the exact same way as the as the first one, exactly the same way, right? A random Dave right. up from a random fucking rich guy who walks in and says, "Your craziness reminds me of my craziness, and let's just give you the thing you want." It's the exact same end. it doesn't bother me because I don't mind mega happy ending me- – mega happy endings in movies like this, particularly a Christmas movie and particularly when all Clark tries all movie is to make things great for other people. That's all he wants to do. I mean don't get me wrong. Like deep in his heart, he's like this this will fulfill me too. This is what I always wanted. But what he always wanted was everybody around him having a great Thanksgiving. Like he truly, deeply wants his parents to have the Thanksgiving yep. that, that in his house that he had in their house, and it's I really also, sweet and wonderful. I agree with
3: I agree with all of that. I also think that you know, again, haven't seen a Chevy Chase movie, so perhaps he brings this to all of his films, um, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But there is a uh, a wholesomeness and a. Uh, uh, an insanity that he walks this line that he's sort of teetering on. He's got, he's got a lot of crazy eyes in this movie, but like you can have a scene where, you know, the whole attic sequence where it's just, I mean, it's basically a Charlie Chaplin routine of him stepping on planks as he gets under the face. And it's amazing. It's it's phenomenal physical comedy. Um, But then he can also, Watch some old home movies while wearing pla- while wearing like gloves and a and a, a scarf on his head A turban, yeah. and you're just like, how did he find a way to get like heart out of something so absurd? I mean, it really is a high wire act.
4: He, I, I have to say, I mean, you know, we all know now that that Chevy Chase is a you know a a bit of a difficult. Figure And, yeah. um, you know, sounds by all accounts like kind of an <laughs> ego monster. And what I, I think is interesting about the vacation movies in, movies in particular is that there, there is a lack of vanity that he brings to it. You know, Clark is the butt mm-hmm. of so many of the jokes. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. And I think what makes him so great is that he is really charming. You know, he's a, he's a handsome guy, still a handsome guy at this point. But he he walks this line between average normalcy and, like, being completely unhinged in a way that I think most people feel. I think everyone always feels like you're one step away from losing your fucking shit at any given <laughs> yeah. moment. And that's yeah. what yeah. he does so well. Like, he's so likable and charming and ridiculous and kind of insane and it's that's life. Like life makes you feel like you should be making Clark Griswold faces a lot of
1: times. Yeah, I want to do a little dive into into Chevy, just sure. who he is, where yeah. he came from, and what his thing is. Like the thing about Chevy Chase is his story is so unlike the story of almost every other successful comedian ever. Mm-hmm. In that Chevy Chase is a Vanderbilt for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chevy Chase, but but he was an adopt he was his he's part of an adopted line, so he always kind of felt like uh like black sheep, but he's a Vanderbilt, he's also a um a Chase and Chase, not Chase Manhattan the bank, but there was a big company called the Chase Company. So on both lines of his family he comes from very, very rich money. Uh his father wound up marrying into the Folgers family. Like we're talking about like the bluest of blue bloods. He is descendants from the May, he is descended from the Mayflower. You just don't hear about people like this going into wow. comedy, right? Mm-hmm. The closest thing I could think of, even though it's nothing like this, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus' His father's a billionaire, but, like, first generation, you know? Like, there's a lot of striving in that. Like, Chevy Chase could have sat on his ass forever and been totally fine. Chevy Chase uh, was the smartest kid in his high school, but he was kicked out because he was a total fucking piece of shit. Chevy Chase was the <laughs> notorious... He went to my high school, I think. <laughs> Wait, did you go to Exeter?
4: No, I went to Lawrenceville, but I think he, went he was to, there at some point.
1: He went to two prominent boarding schools. I can't remember if it was Lawrenceville and something else, but he I know it was Riverdale in New York and then it was something else that a boarding school, but he was he was Riverdale's a very prominent New York private school. Uh he was, you know, he he once kind of notoriously like got in trouble for managing to bring a cow into a fourth floor library in new york city he's um he's just always kind of been a stick it to the stick it to the the elites kind of guy while also being an elite, a he's, fucking always elite. Been the, yeah. he's always been this guy who can yeah. walk into these rooms but you know almost like will smith in the beginning of fucking uh uh fresh prince he would be the guy mm. with the crazy hat and the guy with the crazy cummerbund button the guy who said you know you let me in this room and i can do whatever i want because i'm Vanderbilt and the chase. Right. Okay. So that's where he comes from in mm-hmm. that. He uh, he was in, in an actor and a stand-up and a comedian, and um, he was season one of, of Saturday Night Live, and he is the number one reason that show did two things. One, was a hit because he was the biggest star, played Gerald Ford. Um, his, his high-low senses, high-low sense of, like, very high-minded, very, you know, kind of uh, erudite comedy was always played off his pratfalls. He was mm-hmm. always down to do pratfalls, which really is endearing, because a guy like that good-looking, rich kind of, you know, looks like he's a moneyed guy, having him do things like fall off a ladder, putting a star on a Christmas tree, is very endearing. He's, he's also very good at it.
3: He's yeah, very it's, 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 a t- it's a talent. Like, it's he's not just athlete, you, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's, got, yeah. he's got an athletic build. He's like, in a yep. lot of ways, he's got that, like, Joel McHale thing, or Ryan Reynolds thing, or thing mm-hmm. with like Th- yeah. This good-looking guy, John Hamm. I mean, the guys who you know you talk about for Fletch. These good-looking guys who are also adept at comedy that kind of make you hate them. Yep. And, but if they're Chevy Chase, like you're like, oh, the other guy's Vince Vaughn. So if they're if they're that good and that funny, you kind of let it go. So that's in a lot of ways he birthed that archetype. The you know that guy. To Ashley's point, the other thing with the pratfalls and the anger and the you know the, the kind of this man child thing that he birthed is like this Adam Sandler thing. Like Adam Sandler, I think, Chris Farley, I think these are direct lines from that version of Chevy too. And the thing that these movies, these vacation movies do so well, that's kind of amazing is you see Caddyshack, you see Fletch, you see Spies Like Us, and even Three Amigos. This guy is the biggest fucking alpha in the world.
0: Yeah. He
1: is so, he walked into a room, he is the guy you're looking at. He is the funniest guy at the party. He is so cool. In this, in these movies, he is such a beta. He is yeah. so put upon. He is so he is so right at the end of his rope. And it, it, they're also the only movies that I named where he plays a dad. So there's also something about like what happens when that guy has a who never has like looked had any responsibility now has the responsibility of a family and not even the responsibility of yeah. making the money or anything like that. Not that stuff. The responsibility of like. As a parent, you feel, even though it might be unfair, responsible for your kid's happiness, and that is a fucking burden, and that's what <laughs> they're wrestling with all the time. Yeah,
3: I think the other thing that that occurred to me as I was watching these, and as you were talking just now, like Clark Griswold could also have been played by like a Steve Martin.
1: Who also is you know, kind feel, of in this vein.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Steve yeah. Martin, who who has obviously, as his career has progressed, has played the dad a, a fair amount. Mm-hmm. But um, he has also that... Like, especially in the scene when um, he gets the quote-unquote bonus check and he just, like, loses his fucking mind and he starts just railing at his boss. That felt like I could see a Steve Martin delivering that, too. Oh, I yeah, he it's, been, it's funny you,
4: because I... Yeah, I I love Steve Martin. I just rewatched watched um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which was, I think, so the good. first movie that I insisted on seeing by myself in the movie theater. I somehow convinced my parents right. to draw. I'm sure they just sat in the back, but um, <laughs> I felt very, very autonomous and uh, liberated. But I love Steve Martin. I hate the idea of Steve Martin as Clark Griswold. I think there's that two... I think there's that... I think what chevy chase brings to it is everything kenny's talking about which is you can't help but know that in the other movies he was the coolest wittiest guy like he's so cool and there's that push and pull of i think you know chevy's like a little bit of an asshole and it's that little bit of an asshole that creates that just wonderful tension in clark griswold and I yeah. think Steve Martin lacks that, and it wouldn't have the edge that, that Clark brings to it.
1: That's a so really that's good out. point. That's a really you know, I good just point. watched. Uh, I just watched the first two Fathers of the Bride as the third one came out, which I never actually got around to. And uh, yeah, there, I, I think that that there's a reason that I, at least I feel like. Culture pushes Father of the Bride on people, whereas culture does not really want you to be down with Vacation. <laughs> and, and I think this speaks to kind of what Ashley says in the beginning, which was like, it didn't seem like Vacation was on TV a lot. It seemed like we had to go out and get it. Whereas I felt like Father of the Bride was on TV all the time, but it didn't touch me the same way that this movie did, though they're very similar movies. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because of what you just said. Actually, like Steve Martin, in the end of the day, is so safe. Yeah.
4: He is so he's, so he's not going to fuck up. No, and there's a there's a darkness. There is an underlying darkness to all yeah. the vacation movies. But you know, there's there's more cursing in Christmas Vacation. That you know, that's that drop an F bomb. So you know, it's because. The vacation movies are about how American families look so normal and try to be, you know, they're just normal, average, good old-fashioned oh, American that. families, and yet they've got their dead aunt on the top of the car, or they you know, they've got a cousin who's, you know, emptying the shitter in the, in the
2: <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. the
4: dark, it's that little dark underbelly to the American family that is what these movies are scratching at. And so that's why that and father of the bride and father of the bride I, is just I, a sweet movie wait. about things going wrong, as opposed to a movie about how things go wrong because we're all a little fucked up.
1: But you just, you just hit on something that's so poignant, and powerful to me and it's going to drop, is going to, is going to bring my braid up by like 10 points. <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie and all of the vacation movies are about keeping up with the joneses. Yeah. And I, all the vacation movies are about we are going to have that perfect vacation. We are going to have the perfect christmas. Perfect in whose mind? Well, perfect in the mind of Norman Rockwell. I mean perfect yeah. in the mind of, of the media that has been that has been presented to us our whole lives. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be and that is what Clark is trying to accomplish. Every single movie, even Vegas Vacation, he's like, We're going to go there and we're going to take the town for all it's worth because that's what you do. You go and you win. So I well, think. That, that taps- yes, yeah, sir. You know, I, I think that that is like incredibly kind of poignant and in, incredibly powerful when you think of that in terms of why these movies hit so hard. They give you permission to fail, they give yeah. you permission to be okay. They give you permission to not have everything work out perfectly, but there is value in this, As long as you're all together, it doesn't matter if you're singing fucking Christmas carols or, you know, the national anthem, you're just holding hands at the right moment. And, 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 and it really is. It really is on some like Phil, I was making fun of the, uh, of the, of the hillbilly elegy um, trailer with you. I'm sure the movie's out now and is a big, you know, successor it's not or whatever. but anyway yeah. uh but we're oh, oh, yeah, making fun yeah. of it on some like the last line of that you know family is everything this oh. movie says that without saying
3: that right? i also think that that these movies and I, I don't want to speak to all of them i've only seen this one but this film has a class warfare component going on in it that's also something that oh, yeah. you don't see in father of the bride you know what i mean like this is very much the haves and have nots and the ones that really have nothing. Like when you look at the the, the um, Brian the Marie Doyle character that oh, and then sure. you look at Chevy and then you look at Randy Quaid, like you're seeing the three levels of yeah. of class, if you will, which I think is is astute.
1: And there's also the 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 new money, Julie Louis Dreyfus and her husband. Oh, yeah, Harry the yuppies say, next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every yeah. time they cut to them, it is so delightful. She's fucking great.
4: Also, does she? What I would love to know what she's doing in terms of a skincare routine. I mean, yeah. looking at the difference between her in 1989 and now, and Chevy it's Chase in 1989 and now, I'm like, how on earth is this humanly possible? She looks like she's maybe yeah. aged 10 years. In it's incredible. 30 years. It's it's insane. She's a national treasure.
1: I, I, she is a national treasure and it just reminds me she always has been.
3: She yeah, is, she, she, really is has. she
1: is the she she's is the great. fucking greatest. Yeah. What and what she's capable of doing with
3: a look, she doesn't even need a yeah. line. I know. Yeah.
4: Just, and it's you know, it it, it is one of in, in a fairly broad movie, it is one of the tropier little sort of subplots, mm-hmm. the yuppie. Neighbors mm-hmm. who you know Can't understand and are just Disgusted by the Griswolds and she Brings a little bit of spark to it You know it's not a major component of The, of the movie it's really just a running gag But she yeah. brings something to it That really elevates what could have Been a just really pointless I mean I,
3: I I completely agree with you and I, I Would say too that like I genuinely laughed when the lights turn On
1: <laughs>
4: Oh me too. It's my favorite part. I mean that
1: movie the, that part of the movie is so excellent. When the their So good. It's the
3: best. He's like, I can't see anything. It's just, it's fantastic. That stuff, yeah. that stuff's great. Um so uh there were a couple things that um that I was surprised about. I that Angelo Badalamenti did the score was a surprise to me. Um that the the guy who does all of David Lynch's scores uh, for whatever reason, the director decided for him to do this score. It's a, it's a it's a fine score. It's just crazy that in the same year he did Wild at Heart and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
4: I love range, so
3: it's great. Into it,
4: uh,
3: yeah. I also think this movie is really well shot. You can tell that it was done by someone who did commercials, in the sense that like it's got a very slick, smart aesthetic to it. Um, you know, it whether good. or not he totally lands all the jokes. And I think he does most of the time. He's just—he's really sort of composing a frame and composing a world that, that looked really great. Um, there's just also things that little things, just like when when Clark pulls the attic stairs down, and it just fucking takes him. Like, <laughs> it's just, it,
1: it's just like oh, John Hughes, you know, like yeah. Those, yeah. those little jokes. And I think you could say that about the Yuppies as well. Like the yeah. Yuppies mostly yeah. exist. So that moment is super funny, right? Yep. And yes. These yep. all these moments when they're kind of put out are super funny, and that's yep. it. And it works because they are super funny. Like he just they finds these little funny. super funny moments. There's also a, a
3: mixture of. There's also a mixture of genuine physical fear involved in a lot of the jokes too, where like there's stakes involved in it. Like when you think of the opening. And the car drives underneath oh, yeah, the truck. And there's just, yeah. like, a genuine, like, they could die.
4: <laughs> like, yeah.
3: This oh, isn't, you know. Yeah, uh, it's, it's
4: Beverly personal. Beverly D'Angelo's <laughs> delivery of the prayer is when they're under the truck is so good. And it, it's funny because I, I took note of, you know, we get through that whole animated sequence where I'm like, what is this? Like, you had... A, mm-hmm. you have a franchise and really bankable stars and you're opening on a weird Santa cartoon. Okay. But then the moment you catch to them <laughs> harmonizing poorly, I was oh, like, great. ah, there we are. Like that to <laughs> me encapsulates what is so great about these movies.
1: Oh, the other thing about Chevy is he, he comes from his, I think his mother was like a, a like a legit, like Carnegie hall opera singer. So his work- <laughs> voice is amazing like yeah. he, he's an amazing yeah. singer and i love Be- i mean i love beverly D'Angelo so much in these
4: movies oh, she's, she's she's so good in all of them again just just a oh. little taste a little teaser phil there's yeah. a, a a whole subplot with her and wayne newton as played by wayne newton in <laughs> Vegas vacation that delights me to an extent that is almost unhealthy I it
1: think. is so beautiful it is it is it is there's something so well observed about who – when Beverly D'Angelo is about – you just find her like mid-40s in uh, in Vegas vacation. Who would be her, Christy Brinkley? And it's Wayne Newton. It's like – it's so <laughs> it's perfect.
4: It's so perfect. The Wayne, the
1: Wayne dress. Ugh.
4: Oh, the Wayne dress. I mean, you gotta watch Vegas Vacation. I, I will it. watch it. I promise. So Vegas much.
1: Vacation is. Delight. I, I much just like
4: this movie. Also, it has the moments where you roll your eyes a little bit, but it is just mwah, Chef's Kiss. Love it. It
1: also has the mega happy ending, as all these movies yes. do. And, it, yes. it, and fuck it, it's that's part of the charm of these movies. It's not just like they all got together. It's always like mega happy, and Vegas is right. the most happy. Like Vegas, is, yes. and you know the other thing I like about it. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. The last two movies, all right, Christmas and Vegas. There is. I I wrote a I wrote a short in, in college, and I guess I was very influenced by these movies and didn't realize it. About a like a like a deadbeat dad kind of not a deadbeat dad but like a like a, like a bum single father who can't do anything right takes his kid to the track and they win. And that's the end of the movie, right? That's the end of the short, right? Like that's the big happiness. It's like long shot came in and they win. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a lot of criticism because like, well, you know, are you saying that it's all about money? That in the end of the day, like that's, you know, that's what kind of brings catharsis or happiness or resolution. And that's it. And I, and, and since then I've, I've always been very, very um, reticent to use money in that kind of way, as a as a you know resolution. That being said, like get real, money matters. <laughs> like get like if he doesn't have this this Christmas bonus, their life is fucked. Yeah. So well, and why it works, I think
4: too, is that it's not that money is going to fix. Money is just going like they don't need to be fixed as a family they're actually that that's why I think it's so mm-hmm. satisfying mm-hmm. and rewarding. Is it they're kind of, it's the universe is rewarding them for their sort of, you know, there's sort of a decent quality to yeah. Clark Griswold. And then he, he keeps the faith, you know, he keeps the faith the whole time. And then life finally throws him a bone. Like that's how that's these exactly
1: right. That's exactly right. That's that is exactly what it is. And, it's. It is very satisfying to it's see satisfying. them walk away with the material thing
4: yeah. that they have Which, wanted. Incidentally, can I can I tell you guys that I I've loved this movie since I was a kid, and then the last couple of times I've watched it, I realized that I relate to it even more because this Christmas bonus thing happened to me, oh. <laughs> and. <laughs> When he goes, Ah. like I have never, I don't know that I've ever related to any part of any movie as deeply as I relate to that because I, I remember specifically it was my first job out of college. I was working at um, the Book of the Month Club. I I like to say, oh, I worked for Time, and I was an editorial assistant, which sounds fancy, but I was an editorial assistant for the Book (laughs) of the Month Club. There were three clubs. It was the Equestrian club, the uh, garden and architecture club, and then something called reader subscription that was meant to be sort of their fancy literary arm. But I got paid nothing. As living in New York City, I was uh-huh. so broke all the time. I think I was making twenty three thousand dollars a year, something like that. Which, you know, living Criminal. in it was it was terrible. And everyone kept saying, "Well, we're going to get a Christmas bonus," and I was so excited. I was like, "This is how I buy my family Christmas presents." You know, I, I didn't have the highest hopes, but I thought at least it might be a few hundred bucks and I could use this to buy everybody Christmas presents. Yeah. And then it was like the day that we left for the office for the holidays. We got our Christmas bonus and it was a quote unquote turkey check. It was a $25 gift certificate to Gristides, oh which is the New oh. York City...
1: oh. oh. Uh, <laughs>
4: grocery store and I lost my fucking mind and I 100% took my $25 and bought $25 worth of vodka
2: As in everybody
4: because that seemed like the only move left but it was so it is so real his jelly of the month club literally happened to me and I had pretty much I don't think I had as satisfying a reaction as Clark Griswold but man do I feel his reaction.
3: That is, I mean, that's fucked on so many levels. Mm-hmm.
4: Um,
1: I, uh, I, Especially because they sent you to Christidis. Christidis. Oh.
4: I mean, not even D'Agostino's. Come on.
1: Christidis I- exclusively exists on the first floor of the oldest, most decrepit apartment buildings and always down. It's always right. like two steps down. So there's always like yeah. weird puddles on the ground. There's always like sections corded off. Yeah. Oh, what, wow. what animals. <laughs> I know.
4: I mean, at least there was some Cinderella, you know. Citarella.
1: Lovely. Instead like we of to Eli's. I mean, come on. Yeah.
4: Fairway, bars. anything. Come on. <laughs> <for save>
3: <laughs> <bars>. <laughs> so this movie opens in a pretty insane way that I kind of love, which is t- taking aside the, the crazy car sequence. He's driving, and by he obviously mean Clark is driving his family out to the country, to a tree farm, to to trudge for hours through the snow to find the perfect tree. Like it's it's mythical in its way. Like it's it's yes. it opens in this crazy way, uh, but of course he doesn't bring any tools to cut the tree down. So Lord knows how they tore this tree out of the ground, <laughs> like just by its root. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> we'll just say that they were that they're capable of doing such a thing.
4: This, this also, Phil. I just and I'm I'm curious. I, I have questions mm-hmm. for Kenny because it does feel like you were more living the Griswold lifestyle than Phil. Obviously, this to me also felt like something exactly something my family would do. Like we once, as kids, my dad met someone at like a summer barbecue because in in New Jersey, there's um the cranberry box. It's like a big cranberry state. And he met someone who, like, worked at Ocean Spray and was like, oh, yeah, you should come down to the bogs, you know, just get some cranberries. And my dad was like, well, folks, we're doing this. And, like, we drove to a cranberry bog. I don't think we were supposed to be there. We were – my brother and I were very nervous that we were going to be accused of trespassing. And then we picked, like, a billion free cranberries. They were like – we had cranberries for, like, the next two years. Our freezer was nothing but cranberries. And so, like – Clark being like, "Yeah, so we we're did gonna shit get like the that. free tree. Like, we're not spending. This is a racket. These tree people are a racket, and we're gonna <laughs> get a better tree by doing it ourselves, the old-fashioned way. Like this, to me, was exactly what would happen in our family.
1: We, all right. I mean, I, I should preface this all by all by saying I'm Jewish, but we did Christmas mostly because of this movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, our, our my cranberry moment." Was when uh, I think it was there was a precursor to Sam's Club and Costco. I think it was called Price Club. Oh yeah, um, Price Club. Yeah, Price Club. When, I remember Price Club. Price Club, which may still be around. And when Price Club opened in Elmsford, which was about four times over, we discovered the cheap Price Club brand sodas,
4: mm-hmm. and we
1: bought so much it filled up <laughs> an entire fridge that we had kept in the garage, of course, like in screen. Oh, the
4: garage fridge. Yeah.
1: The garage fridge. You got to have a, so we, uh, we had this cut rate soda for the next six to eight months. <laughs> so yes, we did the same thing.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's
3: incredible. I, I feel like, I mean, I just, my, my mom did similar things too, but it was more about us like driving to Buffalo and like, smuggling stuff over the border um it was more along those lines <laughs>
1: what kind of stuff wait wait what what kind <laughs> I mean, of stuff can you get in buffalo yeah. that you can't get in toronto
3: oh tons of stuff i mean it's 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 like brand name <laughs> stuff that you can't get in canada just there's just certain things that for whatever reason just don't don't make it up there um
4: are you not allowed to bring it like was it No, because then you have to
3: pay duty on it. So, like, then if you got declare everything, so it was a lot of like. So you have
1: you have like Frito Lay's like taped across your body. I mean, seriously, (laughs) our trunk was
3: just packed with like tons of soda that you couldn't get in Canada and chips and like none of it was good food. Like, none of it was like things that you would want really. And then she would always It's so crazy. I still can't believe this. When we would drive up to the border, she would make me and my friends start like screaming and yelling and making a racket in the back so that they would just fucking wave <laughs> us through. Wow.
4: That's so smart.
0: That's, That's a crazy. great way
1: to smuggle drugs. Just yeah. Get a night, get a nice white family with some <laughs> crazy kids yeah. in the back. Yeah. Um, so the, what the,
3: the unfurling bit is great when he opens the tree up and he's like, a yeah. lot of sap,
1: a lot of sap. Oh yeah. Here. I love that line. But that was a line. I watched it with my two kids. That was a line that I repeated. And they're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, I also got to say the
3: magazine bit is great of just yeah. all the things getting stuck to him. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's great. It's also a perfect example of like the best kind of business. And as writers, you always have to think of like business, something for them to do while they're talking so that it isn't two people just talking. So that scene has this like weird anxious energy because of the magazine, as well as the conversation of like the parents coming to town and all that. It's, it's, it's yeah. really well done. Yeah.
1: Um.
3: So, okay. I I, I really, we got to talk about this scene because it was, it's my least favorite scene in this movie. And it's the scene with Clark and the woman at the counter at the department store.
4: Oh Yeah. So here's, uh, I feel like what you should know, Bill, uh-huh. is that this is essentially a direct reference to the Christie Brinkley It's a recurring gag. It's a recurring gag. So like it, okay. there's a recurring gag of him coming across out sort of in the wild, um, a beautiful woman and him trying to be smooth, And be the cool guy, and and for a moment having this sort of fantasy that he does not have a wife and family and all these this sort of burden of all of that. And he usually fucks it up pretty spectacularly as he does here. So so it is, I mean, I also don't, you know, love that this is how they decided to manifest that particular part of. Clark, but you know what? The weird thing is, it's sort of offensive and sexist and gross, and yet I still fucking yeah. laugh when he says it's a
1: tit Like I don't, I just I'm a child, <laughs> and I think it's funny. <laughs> so.
4: It's a Tippit Nipply. Yeah. I, I
1: it's, mean, uh, it's it's indefensible. Okay. But shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't really know what I, what I what my my issue is with it.
3: I mean, ultimately... Oh, Well, like, ultimately, sure, you've given me context to these previous uh, scenes that he's had. It feels to me like those scenes, and forgive me, I'm projecting and maybe I'm wrong, but is there some element of, like, magic realism to the Christy Brinkley stuff? Or is it – there isn't here. I
4: know.
3: So what
1: what this is – No, 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 no. No, it's the same. It's the same. It starts starts the same way, and then there are magic realist – not even. Moment. There's less in the Christy okay, Brinkley. Okay, but which place. I would In the Christy Brinkley one, they actually are in the, the pool together. This yeah, one actually I, has at least a scene later where he's imagining.
4: It's true. I would say that the there's something about Christy Brinkley in the red sports car making eyes at him, how long they're kind of driving in parallel that seems almost a little daydream fantasy esque. Like it's never but yeah, I would say they this is a little more grounded in that he's just face to face with this woman, which is a a new twist on what kind of happens in vacation.
3: Yeah. I, I guess my, yeah. I mean, I guess my issue is, I mean, first of all, like we all know it's sexist. So there's that, but, but putting that aside for a second, just as, as a, a symptom of its time, that is what it is. I just felt like, it's played so straight and it's played like it's like this woman is a real person acting this way for him.
1: She is. Um,
3: no, I, I, I know I, I, it just, it made it that much kind of grosser to me. Like if there was an element of, it's just like a fantasy and Clark is just kind of like whimsically kind of outside of his head. And he's thinking that this thing is happening for his own fantasy. I, I'm not sure that I would have as much of an issue with it. it, 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 it is all right.
1: Whimsical. So, so wait, wait, so let's, let's talk about it for one second. Okay. because it is a it is a a a recurring gag in these movies and it is instructive for how you view Clark it does it's not a throwaway it does matter and it's what a lot of people think of when they think of these movies
2: mm-hmm. so uh
1: it is really happening and it is something that like isn't great not yep. that it's not but but I would argue yeah. that it's not not great of the movie I would say that it's Clark's character Mm-hmm. That that it informs, which is like he. I, we talked about this a bit, but this is a this is a very common thing among married men. You think you can get anybody because you have this person that really likes you, and this person is willing to sleep with you all the time. You think that you all of a sudden are some Casanova, and seeing it that clearly, where he thinks he can get this girl who's twenty years younger than him, and you know, out of his league. Same with Christy Brinkley. Uh, by just being a cool guy who owns his own car is funny to me. It's a funny mm-hmm. thing. to It's a funny thing to me because I think it is, you know, kind of one of the early kind of notions of this, you know, white male mediocrity taking over society. This idea of a mediocre white man thinks he can do and get anything in anyone. So I think there's something to that. I think also, and I, I, hesitate to say this, but I think it's pretty close to universal at the time. Like, I think it's pretty close to a universal thing that men in media, like like, like men, uh, male characters in media in this situation, lusted after other beautiful women. I think you yes. see it over and over and over and over again. And I think it was encouraged by society not even allowed. I think it was encouraged as long as you don't take that step into uh, either a emotional or a physical affair. Right. But I think flirting at the counter of a, you know, department store was very much a thing that happened all the time. And I don't think it was I,
3: I, we- I don't doubt, I don't doubt that. And I, I guess I just, listen, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's got a couple funny, Boob jokes, I guess it goes on a little long, and and it just gets to a place where I'm just like, can we move on? But it, it's it's what it is.
4: Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes on a little long. I think they kind of stick the landing by bringing Russ rust rust. into yes. it because yes. I think that yes. they they're very Correct. it they very smartly are kind of giving the wink nod that they know what this is doing, and they're saying this is right. him still trying to cling to whatever identity he had as like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a single guy who could flirt with women. And right. and I think that also they just, because his marriage with Ellen feels not only very strong, but like there's something really charming about the push and pull. Like there, in these movies, I have to say Beverly D'Angelo does such a great job of walking mm-hmm. a very fine line and a narrow tightrope between being the long suffering wife and actually feeling like a real person who is willing to push back. You get the sense that they really love each other. So I think that these are that, that yeah, and, and they, they, I, I they mean, she's are attracted an angel. to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I think I think it, it just so firmly plants this as this just giving Clark that little you know, the little sense of, okay, I am a right. family man, but my God, like, you know, beautiful women are still beautiful and 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 also because he flubs it so hard i think it works i this is also why i think Vegas vacation now to come back to Vegas vacation this is what i like to do on this podcast is talk about other movies other movies but i love that they flipped the script in that one and it's ellen in that movie who has the temptation and i think that it was such a smart move and it was a way to play with that but in a different way that the other movies hadn't really covered and i think it's wonderful
3: yeah um, so then, uh, Clark and uh, Clark's and Ellen's parents arrive to spend Christmas, um, and Clark starts figuring out how to put up the Christmas lights. I really loved the moment when he hands this giant ball of Christmas lights to Rusty and says, "Bit of a knot here," <laughs> <laughs> like it's the size of a fucking basketball. Yeah, uh, which I think is great. Um, and I think I truly think all the scenes of Clark putting up the Christmas lights are just tremendous physical comedy like yeah. just like we're we're talking like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, just like amazing stuff. Um so he covers his house with 25,000 Christmas lights. Um and uh yeah. So yeah, okay. So then he tries to figure out why they won't turn on and that leads him up to the attic if I'm not mistaken and he gets locked up in the attic. No no, no, no,
4: no, sort of, no. No, okay, sorry, the, please. The attic, the attic. he's going up there to hide his Christmas presents.
3: Oh, right, yes. That's
4: why he goes up there. And then he finds, which is probably the weakest joke, but it's such a stupid joke that I enjoy it, which is that uh, he... Um, finds an old present that he forgot about that he dated. It says, Happy Mother's Day, 1983, which is just not a (laughs) has ever done. And it's like, we would have gotten the joke whether they had put the date on it or not. So I I love to imagine whatever notes reading (laughs) they're like, we just don't think that people are going to get it. Why there's this very dusty, it's just executives love it. But, um, and then the, no, the lights is they're trying to figure it out. And they have a couple of near misses where first the grandmother yes, correct. is going into the, the fridge in the garage, I believe mm-hmm. is what she's doing in there.
1: very um, Every suburban family had one. It's what you did with the oh, old yeah. fridge.
4: We, we did not. And I was so, I was like, so taken with it. It seemed very <laughs> fancy. And Allison, uh, who you guys both- Past know, and future guest. Yeah, of course. Past and future guest. Um, she had a refrigerator in her garage that the only thing I remember we would get sodas from it, but also she found a dead mouse at one point.
1: Oh inside
4: decided, it. No, no, no. Just in in life. Oh. I don't know where she found this mouse.
1: <laughs> sure. Okay. But As one she does.
4: had put it in a little shoe box and decided that we needed to give it a proper burial, but it was unclear huh. when we were going to be able to do that. And I think she wanted to enlist me to, you know, really have a ceremony. And so she kept the dead mouse in, in the garage fridge for quite some time.
3: That's a horrible story. <laughs> uh, but eventually he figures out how to turn. I guess it's with, uh, it's with Ellen's help that the lights turn on. And he basically drains the power from the entire block of, of houses around him, blinds his neighbors, the yuppies, Todd and Margo. Um, and, uh, and then as they're standing on the front lawn, admiring the lights, um, Clark is shocked to see Ellen's redneck cousin, Catherine, and her husband, Eddie, as they arrive unannounced with their children, Rocky and Ruby Sue, and their Rottweiler,
1: Snots. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Layla because my dog, a lot of snot
1: My daughter is a uh, is is just obsessed with dogs, and she was so <laughs> insulted by the idea that they would name the dog Snots. Like they name <laughs> they name the dog that. Oh, I think that's what she left. Like, I've had enough, <laughs> enough. So, Phil, you know that that Randy I and mean that uh, Eddie and Catherine, but really, Eddie is is a recurring character, right? He's yes, every no, I, I, yes, yes. And he's yes. always, you know, he's always kind of a dilemma for Clark in the movie and uh clark he gets his own tries-
3: christmas vacation movie that, that was released horrible. in
1: 2012 um uh, no, uh, yeah, no one wants that but because because no one wants to watch an eddie movie i barely put up with eddie yeah. in this movie but <laughs> uh he, he is as i absolutely hate every moment eddie is on screen and yet he is an intractable part of this franchise yeah
4: yeah yeah and he's. He's really a more extreme version of Clark, which makes him a really interesting counterpoint because he also means well. Very well. And he also fucks things up constantly, but he is such an agent of chaos and is so incredibly stupid. But, and it's, it's interesting because obviously Randy Quaid is also a, a sort of a problematic figure as we have now learned. Um, Such an agent of chaos and
1: so incredibly stupid.
4: Such a stupid agent of chaos. I know yeah. <laughs> it's just life imitating art imitating life. Here we are. But he, he. I agree. Like I kind of hate Cousin Eddie. He makes me very anxious, which I yeah, think is yeah. what he's meant to do. But I don't think that these movies would completely work <laughs> without him. He does do something. It's it's a it's a real conundrum. Well, and he I also. Helps. I was just gonna say it, it helps that Catherine is very sweet. And she kind of takes the edge off of him a little. She
1: is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Catherine, Catherine mm-hmm. kind of explains why these people are allowed in their, in their, lo- their house and their lives. Yeah. But I think, you know, th- I think it w- Phil, you said this in the beginning. I think that, that they provide a counterweight as do the yuppies, as is Brian Doyle, mm-hmm. Murphy at, at Murray, as do a lot of these characters to the suburban normalcy of yeah. uh, the Griswolds, which I think in turn allows the Griswolds to color pretty far outside the lines without you feeling like that's not like my family. They're right. still well, they, your way in.
3: It, I, I absolutely 100% agree, I, and I would, I would piggyback on that to say they also um, – uh, Eddie is fine breaking the law. Like from a story perspective, Eddie brings this component of being willing to go – significantly farther than Clark is and that to your point creates that much more chaos creates that much more stakes um the fact that he's willing to kidnap
1: Clark would I mean you 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 haven't seen the first movie (laughs) Clark (laughs) Clark Uh, Clark is uh Clark does some shit that's pretty fucking
4: horrible.
1: Yeah. Yes. So
3: Eddie Eddie admits that they're living in their RV and he's broke. He doesn't have any money to buy the kids Christmas presents. And Clark says that he will buy his kids some 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 gifts. Um one of my favorite moments is Bethany doing the Pledge of Allegiance for Grace. (laughs)
4: I'm so Mm -hmm. good.
3: It's fantastic. Um I'll also say that I I physically gagged at the turkey moment. Like it, oh, it made me actually sick to my stomach. It is a nightmare. The noise it made. It looked like yeah. alien. Like it yeah. was fucked. It, and then of, when he's like, a, "Oh, there's the heart," is just like every part of it was just absolutely repulsive.
1: As a yeah. Jew with with very limited experience um, making and cooking turkeys, mm-hmm. is that even remotely possible? What we what we saw? I,
4: no, is that a thing? And no.
1: no. not it, not it can knowledge. like open like a. I, uh, it reminds me of the baby in a razor head it's yes, like it's, it's so that dis- well I, actually no it really reminds me the the cornish hen dinner and fucking razorhead but there's this razorhead element to the whole
4: thing <laughs> it's it so
1: gross
4: legitimately gross but i actually find there's your
1: lynch there's the your lynch jello and
4: bethany's jello mold that clearly has
1: cat disgusting. food in it disgusting to yeah. be also even
4: regressive. grosser yeah
1: it's just a just disgusting I- one that's all around
3: all yeah. of this is disgusting and what really tips it for me is I have a real <laughs> I have a real problem with mastication the sound yeah, of people do. chewing and this fucking scene has like two or three solid minutes of just chewing noises of just everyone sitting at the table no one's talking and it's just the sound of eating and it made me sick.
4: I so feel I wanna, like I that wanna... is the fillest thing you've ever said. Like that is just the um, I... pure distillation of, of you. <laughs> I have a real problem with mastication. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't I yeah. your Colombian I mean... fill straight into your veins. <laughs> but I had wait, so so you're yes. you're all right. Not to undercut Ashley's joke. Uh <laughs> Who likes mastication? It's disgusting. So, It is. is. I do think that there is something to this idea that the things we've described Mm -hmm. don't feel like, for instance, which I think is very funny, but Jeff Daniels on the toilet in Dumb and Dumber. It doesn't feel like scat- scatological humor for scatological humor's sake and the joke is Correct. pushing it as far as you can push. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. feel like things that maybe possibly could happen. Like you yeah. maybe possibly could wind up putting cat food in the jello mold if you were old and you didn't have anything else. And it's so there and like a big moment of this movie is the is the the replacement tree having a squirrel in it. Like if Clark goes and does <laughs> Something as crazy as pulling a, a tree out of his you know neighbor's yard, essentially, it might have a squirrel in it. But these big crazy moments don't feel like giant reaches to me. They just feel like like the worst version of things that could actually happen. And that is part of why I love it so much too. Like it does feel like you know honestly, I love Meet the Parents. I think it's a better movie. I think it's as good as, as good as those kind of movies get, but like everything with Jinxie cat feels like a step too far from it. You yeah. know, like stuff I just don't quite believe. I don't quite believe Jinxie cat is, is tearing up the, in, the, 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 sh- the curtains. I don't quite mm-hmm. believe that, you know, Ben Stiller is able to find a identical cat, except for his tail and, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh spray paint without that nobody realizing. Like, these aren't things that like quite work for me, but everything, in this movie just feels like, yup, this could happen. This gonna. I've been in situations. Yeah, it years. all it's it all
3: feels like heightened life, right? Like it all feels like yeah. you know, life sits at a seven or eight, and this movie is sitting at an eleven, and that, yeah. and I, I completely agree with you. I think like you know, when the cat gets electrocuted, which is a, a great moment, um, which apparently the producers had to fight for. They showed it to test audiences, and they were and some like test audiences. Moment, yeah. Were oh
4: yeah, were like I, I, we killing have a, a cat. We have some intimate uh <laughs> experience with how test audiences feel about. Dying animals. (laughs) The answer is not good. Those dials go all the way down. They don't like it. It's weird. They don't like it. Yeah.
3: But then, like, you also have, you know, you've got, obviously, you have the cat dying. Then the squirrel sequence, which, so, the the things you learn when you're doing research is they had a squirrel, a trained squirrel that died the day before they were supposed to shoot it. (laughs) So, they had to use, like, a less trained squirrel, which created far more chaos, which, is perfect like you feel that you feel the chaos in the scene i think everyone's reaction to the squirrel is fantastic it is (laughs) so insane everyone is petrified it was some of my my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of this movie
4: i i i loved the moment where clark goes running up after everyone else unaware that the squirrel is clinging to his own back i died (laughs) I was just full belly laughing. I, yeah,
3: it's, I think it's just I wrote, good stuff. This is
4: one of the moments where I wrote, why am I laughing so hard at this? Bart, my my husband, who, who kind of came in and out, he was, he did not sit down and watch this with me, but he, he heard the ruckus and came in just because that's how hard I was laughing at this fucking squirrel. Does Bart like this movie? <laughs> um, Bart... I think is sort of neutral on this movie. He doesn't seem to, he said he thinks he saw it in the theater and he seems to have some sort of nostalgia for it, but it was not enough. I mean, he was, he was working. I probably should have been working and said I was, doing this and I was <laughs> all the happier for it. He did at one point, I did write in my notes and I don't remember what this was uh, in reference to, but I wrote Bart quote, it's weird. What used to count as a joke? <laughs> that's
1: pretty funny yeah,
3: yeah. So, it yeah. is uh, so then we get to sort of the you know we're in the third act now essentially gets the check it's not a check he gets pissed Eddie takes it upon himself to literally kidnap his boss SWAT team shows up he's not pressing charges he feels bad he decides to give everybody their bonuses plus a 20% compensation to 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 Clark, uh, the family heads outside. When Rocky and Ruby Sue believe they see Santa Claus in the distance, uh, Chris tells them it's uh, Clark. Tells them it's the Christmas star. Finally, realizes what holiday what the holiday means to him. Uncle Lewis <laughs> lights a match and blows himself up from a sewage treatment plant, <laughs> um, and uh, the explosion sends a Santa la- sleigh decoration flying into the sky. So it looks like Santa is. Uh, is is crossing uh, the sky and Bethany starts singing the star spangled banner everyone joins in as the flaming decorations fly in the distance it's, it's kind of a beautiful moment what a flick. i got to say
4: it really is
3: it's 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 really something you know i as we as we have discussed this is my first foray into all of this and i and i went in with pretty low expectations because in general humor like this doesn't necessarily work for me but this worked uh, it's a really funny movie uh, with a good heart that looks great, and I will absolutely watch the previous two installments. And it Vegas, worked.
1: Vegas Here, look, it worked for my son as well. This is him after watching the movie. He liked it so much, he just starts <laughs> dancing. <laughs> so yes. I think he's ready for Christmas. But the only thing that I really <laughs> am upset about with this movie, yes, is Ashley. What do you think of when you think of the Vacation series? Is there something that just jumps to your head?
4: I mean, aside from first thing you think of is Clark Griswold.
1: Mm -hmm, Yes, so that that's what I was missing, Clark. No,
4: (laughs) no, that's why I'm like I'm I'm trying to think of what would be sort of most emblematic, like what is missing from the other movies in this one. The the other movies have
1: it. This movie doesn't.
4: As soon as you say it, I'm going to be like, "Holiday Road." Oh my god! Right. Holiday. We almost, I think they did. Um, so our 90s cover band, we did do, we occasionally get requested at, we have a friend who does these um, film fests. He, calls, he just calls them fests. And there's always a theme. So he's done Kurt Fest with Kurt Russell. Um, he's done Hanksgiving, which is Tom Hanks. And then the idea is that over a course of day, he, he picks a place where he can have at least five rooms. So there'll be a TV in each of the rooms. It's really fun. And so there's um, and then he does themed foods. It's such an undertaking. I don't know how he does it. That's really but so. Cool. He'll pick like 15 Kurt Russell movies, and then five of them are for the appetizer round, five for the entree round, five for dessert. And then he makes a themed food for each movie that applies in some way, shape, or form to the movie. And then the rules are you can't take food out of that room. So who, who, if you who want does this? To eat uh, it's our friend Brian Strang and they're so great.
3: Can
1: I, can I, I 1999 get a nineteen ninety nine one? He did a ninety nine one. I can't he believe did. you didn't did invite me to that best. one. But can I get invited to that?
4: Yeah. I no, want to go to the next time time, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving is great. Kurt Fest is the original and he actually got for like Escape from New York, he got rattlesnake meat. And so that he does these crazy wow. things and it's 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 just incredible. It's such a, it's such a fun experience. And so he has asked our when he did 1995 fest and then he did 89 fest and he asked, um, our band to play intermission. And so there've been a couple of small sets and I was working. So I, we had somebody fill in for me on guitar, but I think they did holiday road because it's just, it's a really good song and you're right. Oh my such God, how a did good I song. not realize that?
3: Phil, do you know it? So you guys it? were not a fan of the song that, that played at the top of this movie?
1: No. Which was you know, Mavis, <laughs> it was Mavis Staples. It's not like it was like, you know, no, some bum. Good. But yeah. this is just, like Holiday person, Road is man. Holiday Road is Lindsay Buckingham. It's yeah. clearly his best single yeah. um, that he did alone. It's not even I'm not even saying that as like a Lindsay I love Lindsay Buckingham, but this is an amazing, amazing song. It is like it is like the great American tune. And the yeah. fact that it was so just made are you for vacation, with song? Uh,
3: vaguely, I, I listened just, to like, it a little bit the other day because I, I noticed that a lot of people were talking about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just it's like it this is this great American road tune. It's just like it works, um, yeah. and I, I deeply, deeply love it. So I do too bad. It, so there's no this reason is, why I wouldn't be in this movie, but. Yeah. So this is the
3: first uh 1989 movie that we're doing. So Kenny, are we going to do 0 to 89
1: or are we going to do 99? I think we got to yeah. keep I think we got to keep I think we do. uniform unfortunately as much as I like staying on yeah. the theme, uh, I'm very I, concerned about our our letterboxed.
3: So I am too.
1: um <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep
3: gotta So keep I will it go time. first because I didn't see this thank film you, uh, in thank 19 you 1989.
1: Keith Allison, yet again.
3: <laughs> uh I I coming into this podcast gave this film a seventy two
2: okay.
3: that was that was sort of where I was at um but you guys have have got me to eighty i feel uh I feel nice. like that is that's that's where this film should be and and uh yeah I really liked it i mean it was it was there's certainly like insane stuff in it that I'm not entirely sure I completely understand like the toboggan sequence for instance I don't know <laughs> what what was happening there, or what we were doing? It was fun. Um,
1: you but know like, what's there's funny just- about that? There's a um, there's a parallel little thing in Home Alone, where he goes yes. down the front stairs and out yeah. the front door. Yeah. It's a, it, in in the in the non high school John Hughes movies, particularly this mm-hmm. big one that I happen to just watch, Career Opportunities of All Things, a few days ago. Um, he does. T- 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 it's okay. He does tend to have these little episodic you know interstitial jokey things apropos of nothing um which what are you gonna do if they're not really funny they they they, they're kind of stupid but
3: i I mean i i think the movie was it it exceeded my expectations i went in with low expectations because i just did uh and uh it was great you know i don't know that it was as life-changing as it seems it was for people that saw it when they were younger obviously but i still really loved it uh what about you ash
4: um, well, I guess when I first saw the movie, because that's the rules, right? Would have been in 1989. I was nine years old, and I think I yes, would have correct. given it a 99 because I had two speeds at that point in life. I either absolutely <laughs> loved something or I hated it, and that was those were the only two options. There was not a lot of critical nuance to nine-year-old Ashley when it came to uh, anything. So uh, I would probably have given sure. it a 99. I thought it was just incredible. I would say before this rewatch mm-hmm. I might have similar to you been somewhere in the 70s. And I think now, you know, having talked a little bit more about some of the some of the things that are actually maybe even a little more sophisticated in terms of the examination of the American family and all of that, I think I'd be I think I'd give it like a solid 85. I think it's a good movie. I think it is Fun and good for the soul in the way that that these sort of nostalgic movies can be, and I think uh, I think it deserves its place in the sort of American comedy pantheon. I
3: uh, this is why I picked it. Better.
4: I was yeah.
3: I. You, said you it, I like, sent you the yeah, list. You know? This was it was the one like with a bullet. You were just like that yeah. one. And I was like, yeah.
4: all right, yeah. Christmas Vacation. I was like, that's. I mean, and there are a lot of great movies on that list, but I thought yeah. that this would be really
1: fun. And, uh, and it was, I think you hit on something that, you know, kind of at it's most basic level. We're going to see a lot in this year that we don't see in 99 and that's movies that are good for the soul. That's what this feels like. Um, and that is probably why I like it so much. Now I came into this, you know, a little nervous, um, because in ni- I saw this in the theater in 99. Um, it was a, just a revelation. 89. Sorry, 89. It was a revelation. It was one of the greatest experiences. I'd give it a 95. Um, I clearly had a little more critical eye than you did, Ashley. But um, <laughs> I'd, go 90, I'd go 95 back in 89. And 95 throughout my life, right? Watching it with my kids, not during Christmas, without my parents, with, with whom I normally watch it, and my sister. Sure. Uh, I, 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 I was at an 80 after seeing it two nights ago. And I'm going to bump it up. I said 10 points. I don't think I could go quite to a 90. I just don't think it's there. But I'm going to go to 89. Nice. And 89 for 89. I did not mean that. But here we go. Let's <laughs> start. If, if I'm not going to be on theme with the scale, I'll be on theme with my rating. And um, and I'm I'm very happy that we started with this movie. There there is a yeah. nice little yeah. distillation of 89 in this film. Yes. I think, particularly in its star. Another thing we're going to see that we that we don't see in 99. Are stars that went away, yep. and yeah. uh, and Chevy for the most part stopped being right. a movie star after yep. 1990. Beverly Beverly Angelo, very unfortunately, never really ascended to movie stardom. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, Randy Quaid certainly went away too. So, yeah. I think that that's an interesting little part. Yeah, of he left the planet. So it seems left planet. That's right. Well, I mean, he shot <laughs> he up into the, you know, the whole of a. <laughs> Of of an <laughs> invading spaceship, but nothing was the end of it. Yeah, it's true. Wait, uh, I yeah.
4: I have a question um, that is Phil, you will be unable to answer for maybe someday, yeah. but so this is a question for Kenny, which is I'd be curious to hear you rank the vacation movies.
1: Oh sure, um, shit. Well, I I before this podcast, I definitely would have gone Christmas regular. Vegas Euro. Wow. Um, after the podcast, I, 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 so I'd still do it the same way, but I'd want to rewatch the other ones because mm-hmm. my before the podcast, I would have thought that was you know that 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 it was insurmountable getting above Christmas vacation. It was so clearly the best to me, but I do think that there's a little daylight now that maybe a vacation or a Vegas can sneak in there. I I really love those movies. Um, Euro, my parents always loved Euro. It it just hit them right. It never really worked for me the same way.
4: I feel the same way all. I know definitively that European vacation would be in the four spot for
3: me. Yeah.
2: Like
4: that is my least favorite of all of them. And then it's a little tricky. I think I would almost have to, I think I'd almost have to put Vegas first just because it's, it's got a special place in my heart. I'm, I'm aware that it, Probably, You know, it's building on everything that came before. I don't know that you can fully appreciate it if you haven't seen the other movies. Um, I think that as as a movie that kind of picked up an, a sort of fading or aging franchise, it did a really great job. I think it's got some really funny stuff in it. And, yeah, you know, it's like the other three are a real horse race for me. You know, like European Vacation just didn't work for me in the same way. And then the other three are, are really tight, But I think I would maybe have to go Vegas, va- original vacation, Christmas, European vacation. Having just va- watched
1: this, Vegas to me has the you know the hands down funniest sequence in any of the movies. It's so broad. It is so unlike the movies. But Which when he go when he goes in to the. The, the, the alternate rent, casino.
4: The low rent casino is it the is, funniest gag in any of these it movies. Is, it is so I remember perfect. crying,
1: crying. I was well, he Dying. What, Phil, dying. He, he, he loses all of his money in the, in the legit casino and he finds this like it, shitty casino. Well, cousin off his Eddie trip.
4: takes him to. Oh, cousin
1: Eddie takes him. Cousin so Eddie these takes are my him to
4: what, It's essentially like the, you know, if you drive to Vegas, there's a, what is it, Prim?
2: there's Henderson yeah, and there's the, yeah. It's these
4: like shitty, off, uh, low rent, janky, off, off brand casinos where, you know, the stakes are low and, and they just satirize it so perfectly. They're literally playing guess which hand or pick a number between the number.
1: The pick and a number he's... dealer is the best so one note actor of all time. Oh, yes. and they're playing war. they like, it's, it's just so, so it's good. So fucking funny. It
4: is pick a number. So Seven. Three. Good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have, I have a question for you guys. Um, yeah. What is your favorite Chevy Chase movie since we're doing this?
1: Ooh. Fletch.
4: Probably Fletch. It's just the purest Chevy Chase.
1: Yeah. Not and, Fletch and,
4: Lives? And... No, no. The original <laughs> Fletch. I think it's got to be that. All yeah. right. I, Fletch, I was just curious.
1: Fletch has that thing that happened in the 80s every so often where Fletch operates as a really strong surf noir, a really yeah. strong right. LA noir. If you took right. all the jokes out, it still works really, really well. Like the, the, the basic plotting of this movie is so good. And Fletch, the character is, he's not a detective. I mean, he's an investigative no. journalist, but he is such a clever detective in yeah. this movie while also being hilariously funny. In like yeah, the Vince Vaughn right. vein. Like he is the smartest person in every room, lies his way into every situation, lies again and again and again. Like there is some like insensitive stuff in there, no question about it. Um yeah. but right. you kinda have to take take that with, you know, the the time period. But like that and like the the first uh Beverly Hills cop both have that like and lethal weapon, so funny and also just works based on like the the genre it's playing within. But yeah. Fletch is the best. I will watch, I will watch Fletch Fletch. Is the best. Yeah.
3: But um well, Ashley, thank you for, for coming on. Um, thanks, thanks this for was, having me. This was a blast. Um, was I look forward to our, our Sex in the City episode forthcoming, which yes. we'll figure out and we'll do that because I'm I'm super excited about that.
4: What what season is
3: it? It's season, season two. Um, two. I'm we'll gonna I'm gonna it's text not one. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to text you when we're done here um, with some episodes and you can tell me whichever one you want to do. Um, But I'm excited about that. Um, And in terms of what we're doing next week, that's up in the air. So we'll uh, figure that out and it'll be great and you guys will love it. And it will be the last episode of podcast, I guess, 1999 for the year 2020.
1: Thank Glorious year that
3: has been 2020.
1: Oh, my God. You know, it's so crazy by then. The world will change so much, God. I hope this is good news. I hope so. No kidding.
4: I I know. I feel like I'm so curious as to what the <laughs> the versions of us that exist when this podcast comes out. Yep. have to say about anything they, they, they yep. might just be like trying to hug us all and just say I'm
3: sorry <laughs> we'll all just be crying <laughs> on podcasts after that yeah. but yeah, yeah. hopefully not um, um, but thank you so much for coming on Ash And right.
0: um I'll-
2: hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to
4: scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they
0: have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus